Yeah, I am. I'm recording so that we can get any of this great information about Raymond Felton that we're talking about. Welcome to to Does He Slap, the the podcast about whether a basketball player from the mid-2000s was any good. Well, I, I don't know that he was all that good because I don't remember him <laughs> at all. Well, I mean, I remember him once I looked up his picture, but like I don't know that that's like a good metric by which uh, you should be able to remember a player <laughs> sorry from your forgettable dude raymond felton's listening to this podcast and being like well, what the fuck no one knows you either gay <laughs> i would say that i think i'm less forgettable than raymond felton <laughs> i i i i'm gonna be honest i disagree i think more people on the planet know who raymond felton okay is uh, than know who you are that's, that's not that's that's not the metric by which we are measuring this we're measuring how forgettable am so i in other words versus... the number of people who have met you or who know about your existence and have forgotten versus the number of people who have known about raymond felton's existence and have forgotten right I think you're right. You're less forgettable than Raymond I, Felton. I think I think I've got more staying power than Raymond Felton. <laughs> I think for you're probably less forgettable than most mid-tier basketball players. <laughs> Just because the number of people who have like heard of him at one time and then quickly forgot him, I'm gonna. It's probably way bigger. I'm gonna put that under like on my resume for like achievements. It's like less forgettable than most (laughs) mid-tier NBA (laughs) basketball players. (laughs) What are we talking about today, Gabe? What's going on? Uh, Darren, we're talking about uh, the hip-hop supergroup Felt and their song Early Morning Tony. Felt as in Raymond Felton. Yeah, felt is yes. For the- <laughs> I didn't even make that connection until just now. Yeah, for, for those that have been listening along and are like, why the fuck are they talking about Raymond Felton? Well, it's because we're talking about Felt today. Now, who's Felt? All right, so Felt is, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and call them a hip-hop supergroup okay. made up of Murs and Slug. Murs is a you know maybe better known from the Living Legends, especially around this time in the in the early to mid two thousands. And Slug is from Atmosphere, and I don't know if you remember this, but I remember like uh, Atmosphere was just this like huge deal, at least in like a, a lot of like the indie kids or kids that were like into punk rock and stuff for some reason got really into Atmosphere around this time. Yeah, there were a few bands or like you know hip-hop artists that that the punk scene embraced for some reason yeah i feel like atmosphere pos is the other one i think is that what they were called that you know i do remember that that was like a weird of all the of all the of all the like but they were like wasn't pos like kind of like a new metal band too i don't remember no you're thinking of pod oh yeah Yes, I'm thinking of P.O.D. I don't remember P.O.S. Very different. Very P.O.S. was like a hip-hop artist, also from Minneapolis. Um, and I oh, think that that's what the state? connection is. Because oh. wasn't Atmosphere from Minneapolis, too? Yeah, so like... so like, um, rhyme- And so was like, you know, Dillinger 4 yeah. and Banner Pilot and all those kind of like... You know, the mini... Well, and like Husker Du and a bunch of like mini... You know, there's a Minneapolis punk scene. Yeah, no, there's there, sure. there's a Minneapolis punk scene. Um, Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, that's like the most of the like big uh, Minneapolis hip-hop, at least indie hip-hop folks are on Rhyme Sayers. So like Atmosphere is on Rhyme Sayers. Felt is... Yeah, I mean, there's like a, a bunch of groups. Um, I mean, I'm a fan of... I'm a fan of generally what Rhyme Sayers puts out. Um, though, mm-hmm. like, weirdly enough, I was never really able to get into Atmosphere all that much. I mean, okay. I, I don't know if it was just, like, I didn't really give it enough of a try. Or it was just, like, you know, the songs that people would send me, I'm like, yeah, this is fine. But, like, not super. It never, you never connected. Yeah, I never connected with it. Which is so weird because then I got super into Felt. Like, Felt is one of those groups that, for whatever reason, just, like, I latched on to. And particularly this album, uh, a, a tribute to Lisa Bonet. And who is Lisa Bonet? Uh, was she, she was an actress. I think, like, all... all so this is what the weird thing about, like, all of Felt's albums are all named after 
actresses that I assume they have right. a crush on of some sort. <laughs> like, well, Lisa Bonet was the Cosby Show lady, Yeah, she's right? the Cosby Show lady. Um, she was Denise from the Cosby yes. Show. Yes. So they have a tribute to Rosie Perez, uh, Lisa Bonet, and, oh, man, what was it? I think Christina Ricci? Christina Ricci. Yeah, one? Christina Ricci. <laughs> And you know the titans of <laughs> 90s actresses. Yeah. I mean I'm going to I'm going to argue that Lisa Bonet was like it was a great album um and this song Early Morning Tony is like easily one of my favorite songs off of this album. So why don't we just go ahead and dive into this? All right. So um the 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 beginning before the music comes in there's like a little drum almost like a like an old school kind of like drum sounds like a guy's drumming on like a plastic bucket or something yeah. you know that kind of sort of you know like a a throwback to old school like 70s hip-hop yeah. stuff where there's just a guy on the corner doing a doing a funky beat and someone doing some freestyling over it or something like that that's what that reminds yeah, me yeah absolutely so you get a little bit of that that beat that vamp coming in where it's like um, sampling something uh, from like a like a 70s or 60s R&B song and so you're setting up you're setting up the beat and I think personally like the the entire beat so this is produced by Ant um, Ant was the other half of Atmosphere and I think the the beat for this whole song is just absolutely fantastic like I just love love it it's very like very old school, kind of old school hip hop, and it seems to be throwing back to certain very specific eras of hip hop. Yes, right. Like the the very beginning is kind of this like old school seventies thing, and then at one point they get into this almost public enemy kind of like rockin' yeah hip hop beat. Yeah, you get a little, a little bit of that like uh, Rick Rubin kind of like rock mm-hmm. and roll uh, thing going on. I mean, you even get some, you get a lot of cool references in this song or like, uh, you know, allusions to like ice tea to beastie boys, um, happening mm-hmm. in the lyrics. Yeah. This is definitely kind of definitely a, a, a throwback feel to this entire song. I don't know if you had a chance to look at the album cover, but it's like a, them sitting in the bed of an El Camino. It's an El Camino, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. El Camino. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely it's shout out to No Cando. Yeah, shoot, shoot out, shout out to No Cando <laughs> and the song El Camino, uh, which if you haven't, if ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't listened to that, please do. But all right, let's 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 get into this. Uh, enough about No Cando. All right, so we come in with Slug. Seven in the morning, police at my door, but I spent last night on someone else's floor. Out the back window, didn't know where I was. I was still kind of buzzed with a head full of drugs. And this is where the beat comes in. Like, the song right. hits. But, uh, I mean, clearly what we have here is is Slug has been partying, come off, most likely come off of a show, is high, probably still drunk, and freaking out that there's police at the door for some reason, which I think is an appropriate response. Well, and also I like that you know the seven in the morning because right it, the the iced tea six in the morning yeah, six thing. in so the morning it's like they're like we're one we're one hour after that <laughs> yeah exactly we're one hour one hour you know arguably one hour better is that the <laughs> yeah well I think it's just they're they're paying homage like look iced tea six o'clock is your hour we're we're gonna we're gonna claim seven o'clock seven o'clock is our hour you know we're a little bit later and then Murs takes over for the the first first verse. So looking at my Nixon, it's about that time to go and save the world from the daily grind. And uh, when we hit up to speak of which, speaking of which, I got to hit that OC for a quick sesh with my skate park OGs. So the daily grind, you know, that's such a that's a good little switch there of like, OK, daily grind. It's every day you're going to work, you're doing your thing. But for right. MERS, it's no, hitting up the skate park. That's like a 5-0 grind. Right? Yeah, exactly. that's, like a, that's like a lip slide to a nose grind. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so, I mean, you're, you, you, uh, lived in LA for a while. I did. And so of course, like I, you know, by saying he's a, a skater, you know, people are like, oh, like, oh, please, this is still mid city. Want to check my street cred? Go ahead. Come and get me. So I'm assuming being like a skater is not the most like hard thing you could do or be. There was a, yeah, there was a weirdly sort of. I, like living in Southern California and actually living in Orange County uh, as a you know hood rat skateboarder, I there was definitely a racial component to it where it was like 
the the white kids skateboarded and the black kids didn't yeah and and there were and it was really weird it was like it wasn't really until like not that long ago that it started becoming cool among the black kids but like for a long time it was for whatever reason thought of as like the uncool thing that the middle class white kids did you know yeah well and i remember like it was uh it was like arguably kind of weird i don't know if you remember lupe fiasco when he had that mm-hmm. song kick push kick push yeah yeah and it's uh because i remember like as a you know as a teenager all my friends were like into skating and we would watch all these skating videos and it was mostly white dudes um who were skating um you know the occasional latino dude like especially if it was like from california but right. yeah like not a lot of black folks were skating or at least they, they weren't well, getting recognition kareem campbell there was like the one yeah. kareem campbell who was like really good but really the only one and they put him in all the skate videos and all the um like the tony hawk and all the like video games and stuff like that yeah exactly but yeah, so it's, it's it's one of those things where there's not a whole lot of going on, which I'm like always been kind of curious about, like what the cultural thing was that uh, prevented, uh, you know, prevented the you know black folks from being more into skateboarding. I mean, I realize like well, I, skating. Yeah. Is, I don't know if it's just like yeah, I don't know what it would be. So here here's here this would be my thesis on that was skateboarding is something that really came out of surf culture, right? Okay. So like beach kind of surf culture, which was predominantly white. And then countercultural punk rock suburban stuff was also very white for a long time. True. It's getting better. It's still not great at being sort of integrated, but it's these were just hallmarks of white suburbia mm-hmm. that I think because of that, there was yeah, there was never really any integration or any interest among sort of more inner city youth that would want to participate in those things. Yeah. And then because of that, there was, you know, they weren't building skate parks. They weren't, there weren't skate shops there. You know, there were just, it was almost very segregational in the approach that the skateboard companies took towards who they marketed it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I guess even like now, like where you think about where most, at least in places where I've lived, where there are skate parks, like they're being built like out in like the nicer suburbs. Like I remember um, in Phoenix when, oh, what was it? The Wedge or something like that got built. Yeah. But it was like up in Scottsdale. Yeah. Yeah. North, North Tempe, South Scottsdale kind of area. Yeah. North Tempe, South, South Scottsdale, but it's still a nice area, like a, like a really nice suburban area. And then, like, there was another one that got built in, like, South Chandler. Like, again, like, uh, like very suburban, very suburban, mostly white areas. Yes. Well, and that's who has the money, right? That's, that's sure. who has the money and the sort of free time to build these skate parks. And, you know, because race and class are sort of intimately bound up with each other in America, yeah. that's just the way that it's going to be. Yeah. That the things that the white suburban kids are interested in are going to get support in the areas where there are white suburban people. Exactly. But it's really interesting to see how that sort of economic analysis impacts the cultural cachet of, oh, well, then skateboarding's not cool in the mid-city. Right. Right. And and this song is very specific. Like, I hit the OC. Like, I hit Orange County. I go to where the white kids are. <laughs> yeah. And then, oh, no, no, no. Like, like if I want to skate, that's where I have to go. But then it's like, no, this is still the mid-city. I still have my street cred. So in this song, the street cred is bound up with the geographic right. realities of who lives where. Exactly. You know, not so – yeah, it's, it's weird. So you have that tension between your uh, your hobbies and interests versus where you grew up. Yes, all right, so, all right, that want to check my street cred, go ahead, come get me. On the block, like, mopeds are the threads on your dickies. Um, I, of course, everybody wore dickies, especially skate kids. Like, I remember... That was a big skateboarder thing. Like, yeah, everybody was sure. wearing dickies. You know, I, I was, honestly, in the Southwest, I saw, like, a, you know, lots of folks wore dickies. You know, you just wore, you could get baggy or dickies. So, like, that seemed to be a kind of, potentially a little more universal, depending on, like, the different crowds and groups and then how you wore your dickies yeah it seems it was universal among a certain type of countercultural element right yeah like there was the the preppy kids and the jocks didn't really ever wear the dickies no but you know 
the the skateboarders and the punk kids and you know the all the people like the burnout like pot smoking kids <laughs> like all those kids wore dickies yeah but then you'd get like the latino groups that would also wear dickies yes you know like so you would see i would see like a lot of my latino friends growing up also wore dickies but necessarily weren't skaters or anything like that so it was like a little more i don't know it was, dickies were this weird thing that uh for like a pant <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs> There's a lot going on for a pant brand. Yeah, exactly. All right, and I flow code red off the head so swiftly. Uh, stole the scribble shove, fled, had the feds go get me. So, really quick, do you have any idea what I flow code red off the head so swiftly means? No, no idea. Okay. You? <laughs> me neither. You? I just, no. So, the, I, I was like trying to, like, I was like wondering, I'm like, what? Like, so, I, so I think what he's saying, like, but my guess would be that he's he's doing something with like freestyle, like off the head, like freestyle lyrics, yeah. and then stole the scribble show. Scribble Jam was a big freestyle rap event yes. in the early '90s to or late '90s to early 2000s. Yes, yes. I'm gonna assume Code Red. Uh, oh, you know what Code Red? Uh, it might be a reference to um, Mountain Dew. <laughs> Not at this. I don't know. Was Code Red a thing in 2005? I was thinking of uh, a few good men. Mm. So it's like uh, Colonel Jessup ordering yeah, the Code Red. Exactly. And so it's like, it's hard. You're like beating the shit out of some dude. That might be, that would be my, that's my preferred interpretation of this. That that I just, that that, that I just came to me after all those people uh, got random Fox News people to retweet Colonel Jessup. (laughs) (laughs) That was so good. That was so good. (laughs) That was amazing. Is it Steve King that did yeah, it? Yeah, Steve it, King. That seems like no, the type the, the of Steve thing King, that he would do. Yeah, he like people were like, "This is my, this is my uncle, Colonel Jessup." Like, didn't even, <laughs> just I a picture think. of Jack Nicholson as Colonel Jessup. <laughs> so yeah, let me back up. So because because we're talking about a thing that I guarantee no one has heard of. <laughs> okay, we're way more online than most people. Yeah. Okay. So Steve- basically. <laughs> Yeah, you, do you want to do you want to sure. do you want to explain? So, okay, so on on the fourth of July this year, Steve King and other people uh, were basically, uh, but we'll focus on Steve King was retweeting people who were who were sliding into his mentions and saying, "Hey, this is my uh, my service member, family member who is currently deployed right now. Can you give him a shout out?" and or a retweet or whatever and and steve king was retweeting all these people all these pictures of people's service members and then somebody took a screenshot of (laughs) jack nicholson when he's testifying the the you know do you want the truth? You can't handle yeah, the truth. You can't handle the yeah, truth. Yeah, that scene. The famous A Few Good Men scene. Yeah, that famous scene that if you haven't seen the movie, you at least know that scene. Mm-hmm. And like, hey, Steve King, this is my uncle, Colonel Jessup. <laughs> Colonel Jessup. They even used his name. He even used the character's name. He's stationed overseas, <laughs> like fighting for our freedom or like protecting our freedom or whatever. <laughs> and Steve King retweeted it. Just yeah, and then I think he doubled. Wow. I don't think he removed the tweet. I think he left it up and like doubled down. <laughs> like, like no, Colonel Jessup is fighting for our freedoms. <laughs> that was just too good. That was too good. Oh my god. So yeah. So now that we are caught up with like the weird online shit that Darren and I are familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to the back to the song. Okay. Uh, still got head from your thoroughbred. No hickeys. Oh, really? Stand. I to me, you know, very standard. Hooked up with hooked up with a dime. Well, and not just right. Like I hooked up with your. Yeah, it's like your, your girl. Yeah, right? your girl. You know, I fucked your bitch or I fucked your wife, as Tupac would say. <laughs> right. Um, which is just a thing that happens apparently like in you know in these songs that's a thing to brag about which i mean the next line seems weird right it seems it like that's always kind of struck me as weird like i get that there's this weird sort of alpha male dominant streak that you're trying to be like oh yeah like everybody i'm so great that everybody wants to have sex with me even, right. including all the people that you know you care about in your life <laughs> yeah. but it seems like but, like, if that's true, why are you, like, it, you're inviting a lot of, of problems and animosity if you're just going around sleeping with other people. Yeah. Well, and, and this you know, and this is, and this is, uh, yeah, this, this is not just somebody's partner. I think this is somebody's soon-to-be wife, hence the next line, throw a veil on your filly. 
It's like, ooh, I think that's about to be somebody's right. wife. Uh, took pictures of a crack like that bell out of Philly. So is is he saying, like, I get the bell out of Philly, right? The, you know, the, the Liberty Bell. But he, is he taking pictures of someone's ass crack in here? <laughs> yes, well, that's, that, that's what I'm going with. I mean, that's the only <laughs> okay. thing. I had to kick out my tail because she smelled like Phillies. Phillies are a very cheap-ass brand of cigarettes for those that do not know. Or not cigarettes, but um, cigars that you can buy at the grocery store. Or not grocery store, right. but uh, at the convenience store. Smoking blunts left her breath so stale could have killed me. I mean, I want to I want to sort of pause at this point and just notice that it's all just pure stream of consciousness. Yes. It's just one thing. One, he says something and makes like a metaphor or a simile or something, and then... He just, like, takes whatever he said and just, like, says something else about that thing and then takes that and says something else about that thing. So it's this weird sort of fever dream thing where it's just, like, we're not even – there is no narrative here. He's just, like, this really is off-the-dome scribble jam style. Like, he's just, like, I'm just going to say whatever the fuck comes to mind. Well, I mean, if you you think about it, it's, like, uh, the way Slug sets up this verse is – you know, you you set up a situation of still kind of buzzed with a head full of drugs – so exactly. it's like you are yeah. piecing together this 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 entire verse, like still waking up and through that haze of partying yeah. and just waking up, uh, being abruptly woken up by a police officer at the door. And your mind is spinning, right? Because you're, it's, you're out of control. You're still kind of drugged up. And it's this weird stew of like hip-hop cliches yeah like that's the thing that he's stu- like it's mulling over in his mind uh, yeah absolutely so then this next this next like this flow is kind of interesting i have no idea uh what the fuck is happening there's no, i don't think there's anything to parse i think this is this is filler but it's a silly quick witted when i spit the shit get it i mean sick kitted i mean ah shit <laughs> it's like that's, yeah. that's actually a great one. It's like, dude, I'm like, okay, it doesn't really say anything, but all right, I, I like it. Right, well, well, silly, quick-witted, so he's silly and he's quick-witted, sure. which I agree with. He's being silly, but he's also, he's making interesting rhymes yeah. and things, so I guess he's quick. When he spits the shit, yeah. get it, right? So he's he's commanding you to understand what he's saying, right? Sure. I, let's, when let's, I spit the shit, get it. Like, I want you to make sure that when I say these things, you better fucking understand what I'm saying. And then I like when he goes, I mean, aw, shit. And it's like, dude, you can't tell me to get it. You can't be like, this shit's going over your head. And then you're just like saying nonsense. Uh, yeah, it's like, uh. <laughs> and then the, the the brag here, it's amazing I remember all the different <laughs> shit I'm into. And it's just like, no, you don't. That is so good, though. That is so, like, I relate to that so hard because it's like. I have so many interests that I will literally forget about them oh, until yeah. someone reminds me, like, hey, dude, you really like table tennis. And it's like, oh, fuck yeah, I really like table tennis. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. Well, it's like that situation of, like, <laughs> people, like, like, people come up to me and they're like, hey, remember that time we did this? You want to go do that? I'm like, oh, that's right. We did do that one time. Yeah, let's totally fucking do that. <laughs> like, that was right. awesome. Exactly. The world is an interesting place, and I like to have experiences, and so this is very relatable. It's re- it's amazing that I remember all the different shit I get into. Yeah, yeah. And then I try to stay focused on getting legal tender, right? Yep. The idea of, like, I try to stay focused on my, you know, on my job on, or my career. Yeah, on the grind. My profession. Yeah. On the grind. Because uh, literally, as he says, got to stay on the grind because the legends get signed. And we go into my one of my favorite parts of this entire song. Got to split that dough between eight, seven, six, five. And then we go into uh, what can account to be the chorus for this song. Right. But guys with a dough between eight, seven, six, five, four, and three, and two, and one. And this is where we get that Rick Rubin style beat uh, it, portion it of the song. It blasts into you, yeah. right? It just like it hits you in the face. Yep. And I like the, the double entendre that comes in the next line. And when I'm on the mic, the women come down with A&T, MERS, and you're not. Like, obviously, it's like... Yeah, there's that... What That's called... That, that's a poetic device called enjambment. And what it means is that the the line is split so that the end of one line has a meaning that changes when you get to the next yes. line. Yes. Okay. And, and what is it so called? So that's kind of cool. What's it called? It's called enjambment. Enjambment. E-N-J-A-M-B-M-E-N-T. Oh, that's... Enjambment. Oh, fucking learn something new every day. Yeah. And so... and a poetic. So, thing. obviously, so uh, Slug coming in, shouting out A-N-T, or Ant in MERS, and I love the line, and I got more rhymes than California got cops. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
That's solid. That's a solid line. Well, and it's I like that it is recalling the very beginning where the cop is knocking at the door, yep. right? And then he he's sort of as he comes to the conclusion of the chorus, he's like, "Oh yeah, fuck, there's a cop at the door." Yep. So many goddamn cops everywhere. Exactly. Uh, so now we're back to the t- back to the top. We're gonna rehash this this scheme that I th- again I think is great. So nine in the morning now. <laughs> <laughs> two hours later. Two hours later. Now, the question that I have is, has the cop been there the whole time? <laughs> yes. Yeah, just same, knocking at the door for two hours. Same cop. Just, is, anyone, is anyone home? Which pop? I hear you rapping. I hear you <laughs> rapping in there, sir. <laughs> which which possibly. So, with the, so all right. Well, I think we're going to get an explanation for why the cop might have knocked on the door at 7 and then knocked on the door again at 9 o'clock in the morning. Um, nine in the morning, police at my door trying to wonder what the fuck they want to talk to me for. She said she wanted money for some fundraiser shit. I slammed the door in her face and said, fuck you, bitch. That's intense. Exactly. I mean, ACAB, but, uh, right. yeah, that's a, that is something that everybody, you know, you should live by. Always lie to the cops. I think is something we've talked about yep. numerous times. Yep. Yeah. Never tell them the truth. Never tell them the, the truth. The truth. Yeah. They can't handle the truth. They as Colonel yeah, Jessup Colonel would say. They can't fighting for our rights. <laughs> I mean, arguably, don't ever talk to the cops. That's number one. Yeah, don't talk to cops is number one. If you have to lie to the cops, lie to the cops. Yeah, ex- that's number two. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, so potentially, okay, she came around at seven, knocked on the door, heard some rustling, heard some rapping, but they didn't answer the door. Mm-hmm. But, but she's there for a fundraiser. She's not there to bust anybody. She's there for a fundraiser. She comes back around at nine o'clock in the morning, being very persistent, and gets right. the answer that she deserves. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. I think it's fair. And then, then so okay, so now we're now so now we got slug for uh, for this verse. Looking at my Nixon, it's about that time now. I don't remember. I don't know if you had this happen, but like all of my friends, not all my friends, but a lot of my friends in Arizona that either like grew up in California or spent time in California and were like skater or surfer kids, all had fucking Nixon watches. No, I mean that maybe that's true, but I didn't ever notice that. I mean, they were, like, Nixon watches are, like, you'll see them if you walk into any, like, skate shop that, like, also carries apparel or any of that shit. If they carry watches, they likely carry Nixon watches. It was just something, like, I worked at a motorcycle store that was, like, a motorcycle slash surf shop slash bar. And, like, they had, we had watches and, like, they were trying to carry Nixon watches. And it's, like, you know, they're not cheap, but they're not super expensive and they look kind of nice. But yeah, so that's a very stereotypical California thing, like or at least not I mean a you know California surfer thing or a skater thing. Nixon, it's a, a little throwaway. Uh, way too much information than what people need. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so looking at my Nixon, it's about that time for me to light another cigarette and settle my mind. Foot soldier, been waiting for the took over. Probably won't be getting naked if she looks over. So it's really interesting that Slug, so that, that Murs was the first verse, right? Yeah, Murs is the first verse. And and this is Slug's verse. Yeah. And Murs is like, he's looking at his Nixon, and it's about that time to save the world. And Slug's <laughs> is like, it's about that time to light a cigarette and calm the fuck down. Yeah, exactly. Like, it is, they they, are, they have very different personalities. Oh, yeah, and, and I think that's part of what makes Felt as a group work. I think, uh, you know, the first two albums is a little bit of them feeling each other out. Um, their third album, I think, you know, folks should definitely check it out. It's it, it really comes together because uh, the first two albums they both work with a producer. Like so, in this case, the A and T is Atmosphere's producer. And I forget who the producer was, but it was somebody somebody associated with Murs. And so it's very much like you know, Slug feels more comfortable on this album. Murs felt more comfortable on the first album. But then they get a producer okay. that neither of them like work directly with a lot. And you so they have to kind of come to a compromise. Exactly, and they came up to, and, it, and, it, and it turned out to be way better. I think to me, like so, instead of sounding more like an atmosphere album or more like a, a Living Legends album, it sounds like okay, this is felt. And then they haven't released an album in like ten years. So. Right. So they're like, good, we're we're done with this. We're done with this. We did it. We did the thing. We we, we figured it out, and now we're done. So all right, in the into the into the next line that I've always liked this line since I first heard it in like two thousand five, two thousand six, whenever this song came out i'm a primate with pimp like mind state i don't know why i like anybody referring to themselves as a primate (laughs) (laughs) i don't don't know that i like that at all actually 
I, it just seems very strange. <laughs> it is strange. It's weird. I, and, and weird in a way, I feel like sometimes people refer to themselves as a primate or an animal or something, and it's almost always to excuse some piece of terrible behavior that they're engaged in. Okay. Right? I, it's like, hey, sure. I'm, I'm just an animal, man. You can't can't tell me how to live my life, you know, in a society with moral structures and things like that, because I'm just primate. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, you're not wrong. We're still primates. <laughs> I mean, it just seems a little, a little odd. Right, it's a little, I mean, odd, it's a little odd, yeah. I mean, if you're using it as an excuse for bad behavior or terrible behavior, sure, I'll give you that. Um, but whatever. It doesn't change it. I like this line. You cannot. I'm going <laughs> to like it. <laughs> tw- you know, 15 years on, my mind hasn't changed. I like it. But then raising the curve to make uh, raising the curve to make contemporaries irate. So screwing with the curve and ra- basically raising the bar. Another way to say raising the bar. Yeah. Uh, uh, the wrong way to say raising the bar. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> raising the, you don't raise a curb. Yeah. A curb is already you, you, there. You change the curb. You, you need to like, you need a truck full of concrete in order to raise the curb. Yeah. Oh, is it, wait, you're saying curb. I'm thinking of curve. Is it, did you say curb? Oh, is he raising the curb? Yeah. I thought it was curb. In, in my lyric, sh- in my stupid lyric sheet, it says curb. Um, so I saw that too, but I really think it's curve. Let's go with curve. Because like, the, the, I like curve to go with the one that's, that's better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to me, curve doesn't make any sense. Also, he mispronounces irate. The the word irate has the pronunciation on the second syllable. <laughs> the and I get I-rate. that he's trying to rhyme it with mind state, uh-huh. but it's not irate. <laughs> it's not like an iPhone. <laughs> Wait, how do you pronounce irate? Irate. You you say the rate part. You don't call it an iPhone. Oh yeah, okay. You call it an iPhone, okay, and you, you say you're. Irate. You're irate. You don't okay. say you're irate. Okay. okay. The 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 emphasis on the correct syllable is what we're saying here. Yeah. Your your irate is the rate at which your eyes move. I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Still obsessed with your breasts and your fishnets, beating on my thin chest, screaming out Midwest. So this is something that like I think for this time, this uh like the fishnet stockings. At like indie shows, yeah. or, like the punk chicks, uh, excuse me, punk women, like they loved, loved that shit. fishnets, they loved it. and uh, it's something that you see in a lot of like the videos associated with Rhyme Sayers Entertainment. Like their their video girls or the video models are all tend to be more the kind of counterculture like punk rock uh, women, or they take on a punk rock aesthetic. Interesting. The the yeah the, the alt, alt girl girls aesthetic. as it were. So then, uh, my nature my nature is to make you a believer on your stereo. Well, wait, hold on, hold on. He's oh, screaming out Midwest. Why right. are they screaming out Midwest? What a weird sexual <laughs> fetish is happening right here. Beating on my thin chest, screaming out Midwest. He's repping Midwest. He's repping Minneapolis. That's a uh, that's a uh, I, I I would not do that. Oh, I took this as I'm still obsessed with your breast and your fishnets beating on my thin. Right. I assumed that she was the one doing these things, that she is beating on his thin chest and screaming out. Oh, if, if, if that is indeed what she's doing, that is a very weird sexual pathology that uh, I don't understand <laughs> at all. I mean, it, you're in, in retrospect, it makes more sense that he's the one beating on his own thin chest because he's a primate. Yes. He told us. And he's screaming out mid right. He's a he's a monkey that is screaming about Midwest. Yeah, yeah. He is a very geographically oriented yeah. primate. Yeah, as many primates are, they have their territories. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, so continuing on with this animal, would we consider, I would consider this a scheme. This is a this is you know we're yeah, so we're continuing yeah. on with this this animal and nature like uh, scheme. Uh, my nature is uh my nature is to make you a believer on your stereo receiver or your barely legal beaver. So this this that's, yeah that's that's, that's a, a, creepy a very line. creepy line. <laughs> that's really which is like creepy. less creepy when actually no I don't think so I think I, maybe he was like 21, 22 when this song came out but like. Uh, yeah, still kind of creepy. I think that really he just really liked stereo receiver, barely legal beaver as a rhyme scheme. Yeah. And he was just like, fuck it, I'm saying it, I don't care. Yeah, and, and but, but he, it's, it's, it's with a lot good. of emphasis. There's a lot of emphasis <laughs> yeah, on that He line. really likes that line. Like, he really, he's trying to sell you on it. Every time I'm like, oh wait, here here's this part. This part sucks. Yeah. And then, so I mean, this is where we get into, we're getting into a lot of uh, sexual bravado. 
for like the alpha male stuff uh, coming out for a lot of the rest of this verse, but buzzing overhead, spitting fly game, which that's that's an interesting image in and of itself. Right, um, I like it because like you know his, his game is fly, but he's buzzing overhead like a fly, like an actual fly. Um, yeah. Now nowadays, cats be getting paid and laid up off of my name. You know, obviously people are able, you know, clout chasing, um, and they're yep. able to get association. Wait a minute, take a number. Uh, made a visit to your. I, I like that. Wait a minute, made a visit. Uh, pairing. That's yeah, good. that's a nice little. That's actually good. Slightly better than uh, mind state and irate. <laughs> irate. <laughs> um, made a visit to your village with this fresh, fresh baked biscuit and stayed consistent. I mean, in this case, I think we're just assuming we're talking about cash and making cash and and consistently being able to make cash because that's what I assume he means by biscuit or fresh baked biscuit. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's he's you know it's he's making bread. Yeah, right? we're making it's another bread. Another kind of way. Of- Which so they have an, so this is a side note. They have an entire another song on the next album where it's like literally it's called "Get Cake" and they just call they just all they do is like "Get Cake," "Get Cheese," "Get Cheddar," "Get Bread," "Get." <laughs> they just start <laughs> every every possible synonym for money that is food based that they can think of. Which my favorite is like when they go to get cupcakes and I'm like, it's like sure. no, that's, that's a reach. <laughs> that's a reach. That's yeah. a reach. <laughs> um, if you don't know what we're referencing, uh, there's another episode. Uh, we'll, we'll link it in the I description. Is it the Blink-182 episode that we talk about that's a reach? I think it might be the Blink-182 episode. Whatever. We'll, well, you know, punch this in later as far as what episode yeah. it was. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll give you the, we'll, we'll let you figure out that, that bit of does it slap lore. That does it slap cannon head. So, uh, and stayed consistent, which is good. I like that he's like, you know what? I've, I've been a consistent maker of money and purveyor of rhymes yes that is that is i mean that's all you can really ask for breaking in the heads and it's difficult when half of them are tripping over how they miss the boat difficult to miss the boat it's a it's a A little bit it's a little bit bit. but i'll give it to him the key is controlled but your flow is contrived keep it in my soul take it with me when i die Plug that mic in and let heaven get live. Turn a groupie into an angel when she's eight, seven, six, five. So where do, we need to unpack this. I feel like this is a this is a lot. All right, this so, is a lot to take in from old uh, from old slug. Okay, so like I think the key is control. I mean, I think it's having control over your over your flow, and he's like clearly taking a shot at somebody here. Or just rappers in general, or other rappers in general. Right, and the heads, right? He says, breaking in the heads. And I think that that he's talking about, like, the hip-hop heads, right? Like, the people that care about hip-hop. Yeah. Breaking in the heads ain't as difficult when half of them are tripping over how they missed the boat. Like, half of them are, are garbage because they, they they're trend hoppers. Kind of yeah. like, they're clout grifters, exactly. as we talked about earlier. Yeah, and, one, and there's also the thing is... You know, uh, again, Murs and Slug are on Rhyme Sayers, and a lot of these guys and a lot of these artists off of Rhyme Sayers have, you know, managed to build a decent following, you know, nationwide and worldwide in some cases. And potentially they got overlooked by other labels or bigger labels or bigger artists. Yeah. And so they're feeling like they missed the boat. You know, they're like, shit. Right. We slept on. Murs and Slug and you know whoever or, else. Yeah, all the all the rhyme sayers guys, yeah, right? Or the, even just all the sort of like, you know, underground indie hip hop that was happening in the mid two thousands. Exactly. Exactly. Right? I mean this was the heyday of like ASAP Rock and MF Doom and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of like really cool uh I mean not that there isn't a lot of cool indie hip hop happening now, but like I feel like there was a lot of popularity of indie hip-hop and a lot of crossover appeal between into like those indie rock and punk rock into the countercultures right and i think that it was also part of it was like the early advent of the internet as an avenue to kind of get your music out right so you didn't have to have these radio channels and these commercial lines you can kind of like there was myspace and there was you know you could upload your shit to youtube or whatever or like napster or whatever so people could find it and that was something that really helped a lot of these artists yeah exactly so people were able to get out there 
which is like, I mean, the internet has been such a, a crazy thing for for independent artists. You know, I think uh, obviously what we've what I think what we've seen with the internet is this like, you know, major labels are no longer bringing in as much money as they used to. And I think that's because they just don't have control over tastemakers. Like the like tastemakers don't necessarily matter anymore. They were effectively neutralized. Well, and the model moved over to platforms, right? Yes. So now, you know, what Spotify's algorithms tell you you should listen to is a bigger marker of what gets popular than whatever a radio can yeah. try to shove down your throat. Which I want to say, like, the Spotify algorithms kind of fucking blow. Like, I mean... Oh, yeah. They're, no, they totally blow. Like, it's so much easier for me to... I mean, at least for me, it's like when they... Sh- like, you would like these artists, and I'm like, well, sh- no shit, I've listened to all of these artists a lot. <laughs> like, I know who they right. are. And a lot of it is, like, the artists in the genre that you listen to a lot that you don't like as much, so you right. don't listen to those bands or people as much and so then they're like well you don't listen to this so you must like it it's like no i don't listen to that for a very specific reason exactly where it's like yeah it's like i go you know i always go into the like oh other people who listen to this artist like these things and i click through them and i'll listen to them and like a lot of them like oh it's fine or it's like a cheap knockoff of the other artists that i'm into you know i'm not somebody like to just because you are some are in some genre of music to be like okay well you play shows with this band so therefore i'm going to like you it's like oh, it's like you can make shitty music <laughs> like, mm-hmm. in yeah. in any genre even if it's my favorite genre but all right so back back to this so the key is controlled but your flow is contrived right contrived here meaning like you're you're just saying shit to sound cool exactly keep it in my soul take it with take it with me when I die, that's, I think, the idea of, you know, as long as your music is being honest and as long as you're kind of coming from the heart, yeah. you could take that to the grave with you. Exactly. That's the shit that really matters. Plug that mic in and let heaven get live, right? The idea of, like, you can be transcendent if you are if you tap into the honesty of your soul when you're writing your music. Exactly. But then he turns it back into, <laughs> right? Like, it's like, okay. Like, do, is it your soul or is it this thing to get chicks, right? Like, yeah. turn a groupie into an angel when she, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's it was such we had like such a uh, an interesting place and potentially vulnerable place we were building to, or or a statement of 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 belief, and then we have this kind of last line to head in back into the chorus, and I'm just like, <laughs> all right, dude, like that's fine, <laughs> right? Well, and I think that the idea, I mean, it, it, he's almost very clearly saying, I need to pour my soul out. But the reason that I'm pouring my soul out is because I there's a there's a girl that would that is gonna sleep with me if I do. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've had this discussion about like why you know the mythologies that people build around why they do music or what you know why they perform or do things. And right. um, this one might be a little bit too much of uh, like yeah, he's doing this to get chicks. Like, right. At least he's honest about that, though. So, yeah, you know, I, I will say, you know, he's like, I'm going to pour my soul into it. But it's like the problem is not the, the problem is that your soul is just this avatar for getting chicks. <laughs> and that's not interesting at all. That's not like a that's not a deep, interesting, introspective thing that your soul is is displaying yeah. to you. Which it's is just like, I'm a primate. My soul is to reproduce. Yeah, which is weird because, like, I've you know, the few songs of of atmosphere and albums of atmosphere that I've tried to give a chance to and listen to, it's like there's a lot more of that introspection and deep feeling or like genuine peek into like his mentality. And I'm like, I didn't necessarily get that it's all just about you know getting money and fucking hoes like the standard hip-hop cliche but this is in fairness a song entirely composed of hip-hop cliches yeah so you know it's almost like an indictment of hip-hop to say oh you know you know what the soul of hip-hop is is turn a trying to be cool and get chicks yeah Yeah. it's like you turn a groupie into an angel that's the point of hip-hop in some sense so that'd be that'd be that's, that's an interesting take to look at it from from the base of the music and the the beat that we have and the all like the the uh, like that the Rick Rubin chorus type of thing like that 60s 70s R and B underlying right beat. he's kind of he's taking you through the history of hip hop and saying 
it's kind of this weird hodgepodge of shit, but ultimately it's about getting chicks. It's about trying to pick up groupies. Yeah. Which is weird. It's a weird place to end which, this song. Which I mean, like, I think you got that situation of like by the mid two thousands, I mean, you know, by the late nineties and then going into two thousands, you had a lot more of this like very performative, flashy hip hop happening. I mean, fuck, cash money records was right. all over the place in the mid two thousands. And if that was I mean, back that ass up, like bling bling, like all that shit was yep. everywhere in the mid two thousands, and it's like that really made it seem like you know that was mainstream hip-hop at the time and to a certain extent still is i mean i think there's a certain amount of that flash and bravado that doesn't go away i think is potentially integral to to hip-hop or at least to what hip-hop was and will be but it can be done in non-toxic ways this is like you know part we're potentially getting into a little bit of a you know you're pouring your heart and soul into something but then you're doing something a little toxic with it right or at least the sort of the 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 ends are toxic, but the means are are wholesome. Yeah, in a weird way. <laughs> like it's it's very strange. But um, and then we get the the chorus, right? Yeah. We get the four three two one. And when, and I'm, when on I'm on the, the mic, mic, all your homegirls come, right? So now we're back to so Murs is now doing it. Yeah. And when I'm on the mic, all your homegirls come down with a and t slug, and you're not. And I I do love this line, and I got more rhymes than rappers who got shot. Yeah, and it's this weird thing because the you know the it, the song starts with a you know this this cop who's knocking on the door, and you think oh okay it's gonna be you know a song about fuck the police and it really isn't no yeah right the cop is actually someone that's just trying to you know fundraise for whatever they're you know whatever they're doing and you know but nevertheless fuck the police yeah and then at the very end it's kind of like. Hey, by the way, this wasn't really a song about an interaction with a cop, but I need you to know that hip hop has had massive problems with police brutality. Yes, and that is, I mean, because at the same time, if she's if she's raising money for the Policeman's Benevolent Association or whatever, like that's an association that you know dumps money into protecting cops to get away with police brutality. Exactly. Exactly. We don't know what the fundraiser is, but we do know that it's that whatever it is is connected with the police in some vague way, and so it might not be. It might be warranted for him to slam the door in her face. Yeah, and especially you know, if we're talking, this is we're talking about potentially Los Angeles. Like, how many decades of police brutality, of rampant, you know, racial discrimination, police brutality have happened in Los Angeles? It's oh yeah, like, it's. I mean, it's a problem everywhere, but it's right. It, there are a lot of examples of it in L.A. There are, sure. Yeah, there are a lot of like very quickly you say, you know, Rodney King that immediately, you know, right. people that that at least is still so plugged in the cultural ethos. I think very similar to how now Eric Garner, that's going to be another when that name comes up, right. people will remember that. And that will. Right. And it's actually now we're almost to the point where there's so many names that it's just overwhelming. Right. Which is crazy, right? That, yeah. that we can, you know, go through the list and say, oh, well, Oscar Grant and Sandra Bland and Eric Garner and mm-hmm. um, Philando you know, Castillo, Philando like, Castillo, yeah. And, yeah, just like, like it's to the point where it's just overwhelming, and you just almost shut off to it. It's so yeah, awful. the fact, the fact that the like, I think you and I can list off a bunch of names, but we for there's a lot of names that we've forgotten. And, oh yeah, for sure. And I and like that's the I mean that's the sad thing is it's like these are. Um, there's a lot of these forgotten tragedies and these things just keep happening over and over again. But, you know, we, we, you know, I still see fucking blue lives matter stickers on people's people's cars all the time. I don't know. So, you know, you know, Ice T has his uh, hardcore group um, body count, body count. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, the, <laughs> no, uh, no, no, no lives matter. Yeah, no lives matter. Yeah, no lives matter. No lives matter. And, and that rant that he has at the beginning of No Lives Matter, where it's like when you say Blue Lives Matter, it's like t- it's dis- it's diluting it, it's taking away from, you know. And I think that's what it is. Is is, is all that stuff is going on is just trying to add noise, and noise is how you get things to be forgotten. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's to try to say that there are both there are two sides to this issue and that we need to be conscious of both sides, which is really a way of saying we don't need to deal with this problem. Exactly. And so, I mean, so that's why it's like, you know, when you have 
uh, uh, you have people who are constantly harassed by police officers or their community is constantly being abused by by the system. And you come around and try to ask for money for some fundraiser. Of course, you're going to get the the door slammed in your face. <laughs> like, right. Like, why would why would you think that they would be that? It's like, oh, like you want us to give you money now? It's like, get fucked. <laughs> right. And it's like, also, you guys are the servants of fucking capital. You're not the yeah. servants of the inner cities, you know? If you want funding, go ask those fuckers. They have more than enough money to fund you. Yeah. Well, so, you know, the other day I was, I, I, was, I was online and I was reading something and uh, somebody was, like, posing a question about, like, a disaster. Like, when would, like, a law enforcement officer abandon their post if there was a disaster and one of the one of the officers posted that his job is one of his the main goals of his job is to protect property and it's like right really dude yeah it's like yeah no that he means that's full mask off like yeah your job is to protect property <laughs> like mm-hmm. you are a servant of capital I mean, with that... Usually they don't say it that, that cleanly, though. Usually they say something like, my job is to protect, protect lives and liberty and property. Right. You know, like, they'll, they'll smuggle property in. Yeah, no, they're, they're, but... they're, their answer, I think, was literally, my job is to protect liberty and property. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh-huh. Okay, mask off, dude. Like, all right. Yep. <laughs> like, cool. So, Darren, with that, does Early Morning Tony by Felt, does it slap? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it does. It there, like I said, there's some weird stuff in that slug verse for sure. Sure, but but yeah, like on the on the whole, I think that the lyrics are interesting. They're worth thinking about, and the music is like it's very well done. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah. What do you think? I I think this song, absolutely. I thought it slapped for 14 or 15 years now. <laughs> so this is a little bit of a load. You know, I knew it was. I knew my answer. My answer has not changed. Uh, despite right. you know diving, I will say have after having d- dived uh, dove into it, uh, so sort of I'm like okay, like all right, this is not you know there's some flaws to it. Yeah, there's some there's some things that are a little weird. There's that's what it is. Is there's some things that are a little weird, and it's it like if this is a song that you've really liked, I could see being like oh that's interesting. I'm reevaluating some of these things. Yeah, but I don't think that it takes away from the es- the essential slapness of the yeah, song. Yeah, no, I, I mean, and no, you know, no. You know, no song is going to be that platonic ideal of slapness. <laughs> we'll find it one day. Someday. We'll find it Hopefully. one day. I mean, I, think that, I mean, that is the goal of this podcast is to determine the platonic ideal of slap. But I think this song does a good job. And yes, it absolutely slaps. Next time on Does It Slap, we'll be talking about When the Curtain Falls by Greta Van Fleet. You can find Does It Slap on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, shit, just about everywhere. Did you like what you just heard? Well, share it with someone, just one other person who might also like this episode. Word of mouth is still the best way for us to bring leftist music commentary and criticism to as many people as we possibly can. We'll even consider it your praxis for the day. Follow us on Twitter at Doesn't Slap Pod. Our theme music is provided by the patron saints of Slap, New Junk City. Find a link to their band camp down in the episode description. Our cover art is done by Jeremy Hammond. Find him on Twitter at Jeremy Thunder. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Boom. And we're out.